Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. My guest today is Stephen Souza, who is a sommelier and he's based in Canada. Now, where are you speaking from? I'm in uh, Consecon, Prince Edward County in Ontario, Canada. Right. What's, it, what's the weather like up there? Uh, it's 10 a.m. It's uh, a brisk morning. It's nice, beautiful, clear skies. And we're going to get up to 15 degrees C this afternoon. <laughs> so you're a weatherman as well as a wine expert. I, I, like, I like your multitask. You like that, eh? I did. <laughs> I'm going to get a traffic report from you in a minute as well. Well, I just, I think normally people think Canada is super cold and especially at this time of year, but it's uh, it's quite a nice fall day. Perfect for tying down. Yeah. Sorry, perfect for tying down um, annoying English journalists. Is that what you're about to say? Tying down vines, which we'll, I'll be doing in, the, in a few moments after the interview. Really? That's a backbreaking job, that one. Oh, it is. Yeah. Especially here. Why are you doing that? Have you got, you, you got a vineyard, I guess. Uh, friends of mine have a vineyard uh, about 10 minutes from here. It's called uh, Melville Road Vineyards, and they took it over uh, a year or two ago as an abandoned vineyard, Alpino Vines, that they're restoring to health. And since uh, since everything that's been going on, I've been in the county for two years now, but I've been um, working on the vineyard for the summer. So it's uh, it's been a fun, fun summer getting to know the vines and getting to know a little bit more about viticulture. Good stuff. Sounds good. Is Canada your native country? Uh, it is. I am a, a dual uh, national. I have uh, a Portuguese citizenship as well, but I was born in Canada. My parents are from the Azores. They immigrated here uh, many years ago, but I, I took advantage of uh, of getting the Euro passport just in case I want to be by a beach one day. Oh, really good for you. Do you um? Were you was it a, a wine family? Is yours a wine family? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, my father would always make wine. Uh, growing up, I, I recall that uh, vividly. Uh, every fall, we would uh, or he would get grapes. I think they would come from California in, in small wooden crates. Him and his gang of friends in the neighborhood and some uh, uncles of ours would pass a press around and we would make wine. He would ferment it in our basement. So there was always smell of fermentations happening in the house. And he would only drink his wine. So there was always wine at the table, lunch and dinner. And he's kind of one of those old school guys which who always kind of nourished himself with a glass of wine. Is, is that what made you, was that was that the trigger for your love of and career in wine or, was, or did that come from some other source or impulse? I think it must have influenced me because uh, wine was always around. I think when I was a kid, it was just there. Uh, we got to taste wine. It was never, uh, it was kind of a, a good culture surrounding wine, a very kind of a European view of wine. So um, I didn't love his wines necessarily when I started learning about wines uh, in the kind of Late 90s, early 2000s is a lot of the kind of the bigger extracted stuff. But uh, I think that must have influenced me. I think uh, when I really got into wine was during university. I studied psychology at the University of Toronto and was working in some some good restaurants with good wine programs to get my way through school. And uh, I think I found by the time I graduated, I was already working in some top restaurants, uh, managing top restaurants and uh, and getting into wines that way. Hmm. So you're a busy lad. You you um, obviously have a very strong work ethic. Um, you know, doing all the study as well as working as well. So what was the next step? I mean, uh, obviously working part time. How did wine become your professional uh, career? 
Uh, once I graduated university, like I said, I was, I was working in restaurants, and I, I think by that point I had decided that, uh, like most people, once you start working in restaurants and it kind of gets into you, it's, it's something that you continue with because of the, just the energy, the uh, camaraderie, and I was really into eating and, and getting into wine, so I think that was the kind of catalyst was uh, just getting exposed to, to different wines, going to tastings at, uh, at that time. In, in Toronto, there was a lot of events happening, and and it was uh, kind of a the community was uh, growing, and there was a lot of excitement around the wine scene. So I think that's when it happened. So you um, became a som. Yep. And so, how does the Canadian Association of Professional Soms or Sommeliers um, how does that certification work in Canada? Uh, there are uh, provincial. Uh, it's uh, divided up provincially, and I think caps. Uh, if I were to. Uh, compared to others, it's geared towards industry professionals, so it really gets people ready for working in restaurants. There are uh, a lot of industry professional professionals, excuse me, local industry professionals and journalists who would uh, teach the classes. So it was a really kind of a hands-on way of learning and uh, learning with some of the mentors growing up. It was a, a good way to get a good understanding of international wines, and you would also get education on the local wine scene as well, which was which was uh, advantageous for sure. So how does the, um, I mean, there are no partnerships with colleges or university. It was just a mentoring, basically. Uh, we, uh, I took the uh, program through George Brown College. So I think it's still available through George Brown College in Toronto. But again, it's handled differently provincially. So so tell me about when you were at, um, I would hope I pronounced this uh, right, Momofuku. Yep. You're in charge of the wine list there, obviously. So, And there was a transition um, with more Italian wines uh, represented on the list. Was that you that was responsible for that, or was it somebody else? I'll take credit for that. Um, I took over. I worked at Momofuku in Toronto for about eight years, and uh, initially as service director, some more, again, operations and uh, kind of big picture stuff. Um, about four years ago, I was able to take over the beverage program, which was great to get back into what I really love doing. And uh, we uh, opened a restaurant that was... Uh, called Cogen is, is uh, around today that was focused around a, a hearth. So wood fire grill, a lot of proteins. And at the time we, uh, we were able and had the opportunity to increase the, the amount of wines that we had and get a little deeper. And I think for that style of food or, you know, that calls for proteins and, and grilled meats uh, that just for me, uh, Italian wines in particular really do well. And I think in mo- with most cuisines, uh, Italian wines are gastronomic wines for the most part. And uh, what I really wanted to achieve was to to have wines that were people associate, you know, steak and cab. And I kind of wanted to get away from that. I think Sangiovese, I think Nebbiolo, Gamay. Uh, we're not necessarily talking about Gamay today, but I just wanted to introduce kind of a lighter, more drinkable wine style to 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 that type of dining. Mm-hmm. So, what with wines that were. Um concentrated but not heavy but also refreshing with with potentially heavy heavy protein right correct yeah yeah i just i, I think when i when i want to eat or when i'm eating uh i enjoy eating more than the average person maybe and uh wine is always a part of that so i just heavy wines are just you can't really drink that much and you, you just get bogged down and you know you want to leave a meal with a smile on your face and be able to walk out the restaurant and and not necessarily you know are there any particular wines that you would um, you can uh, you can name the estate or just den- denominations? Um, I'm, I'm guessing you you know like Piemonte. Are there any particular areas that you that you particularly like? 
Uh, well, speaking uh, about producers, I think I think uh, the Vietis, the Viras, the Altares, our Pepe from from the north wines from Sicily, I think are, are quite hot right now. So Terranere, the Cosas, the Ocapintis, the Gulfies. Uh, these are wines that are, are delicious wines. They're complex, and you just want to keep drinking them. That's that's kind of what I wanted to introduce to the, to the scene again. So, what about? I mean, you are sort of a, a, a big uh, player on social media, or you are somebody that's a little bit quieter on social media? I think I'm more of a reserved person. I, I, I spend a bit of time on there, but uh, I don't post as much as maybe I should. I need to be a better self promoter, but uh, I'll work on that over the, the coming months. I think. So in your area of uh, Canada, what are the great varieties that you, that you have there, both um, you know, vinifera and even um, interspecific crossings? What have you got up there? Uh, well, I'm in Prince Edward County, which is uh, kind of a cooler uh, site in, in Ontario. You might be familiar with Niagara, which is about uh, four hours southwest of us. Uh, so we're on uh, calcareous limestone here, and we have a lot of uh, shoreline from Lake Ontario, so... Chardonnay and Pinot Noir does, uh, does quite well. We have a little bit of Riesling, a little bit of Gamay. And the interesting part of this, uh, I guess, part of the world is that uh, it does get a bit colder than even in Niagara. So over the winter months, we have to hill up the vines, which creates another kind of layer of work. So uh, we're also now experimenting in this area with uh, geothermal textiles, which allows us to not have to bury up the vines. But it's, uh, it's an interesting uh, part of the world. There's a lot of great producers here. And again, I think Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are, are the standouts. In terms of uh, liquor control, um, which is slightly regulated in, in your country, is, does Ontario have a provincial liquor control board? Uh, yes, the LCBO uh, controls most of the liquor coming in and out of the province, or sorry, into the province. Things have been a little bit more lax recently with what's going on. Um, up until recently, restaurants couldn't sell bottles of wine to guests they would have to consume that in the restaurant but a bit of a lifeline most recently is that the wine uh, restaurants and, and wine bars can sell uh, can essentially have bottle shops now and and, and sell some of the wine so it's it's um, it's a lot better for buyers and, and people who want something that's a little bit more esoteric maybe a lot of the natural wines the biodynamic stuff the the really funky stuff you really couldn't find in the LCBO, but but now you can go to your local restaurant and find those easily. Do you think that will be that will provoke a, a sea change in in availability of choice in uh, in your part of Canada, or, or do you think things will go back to normal inverted commas after COVID and if it goes away? I think it will. I think uh, there's always the availability. It's just uh, for the average consumer, you're you're forced to buy cases, which uh, is not the worst thing, but for taxing purposes, you, you would have to buy cases. But So now being able to buy just individual bottles or mixed cases makes it a, a lot easier and, and uh, just better for the consumer. So hopefully that's something that will continue. I know they've just extended that deadline for till the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So a, bit, a lot better for, for buyers and the average wine consumer for sure. I mean, how do you think um, – do you think it's right that the Governing Liquor Control Board – looks uh it favors um organic or biodynamic wines is that a good thing is it a bad thing is it um anything we should think about or worry about or be happy about um i think for the lcbo they're looking for wines i mean they're a very big organization there's uh, i think about 700 stores so and they have very vigorous testing so i think just to fulfill orders and to have product in stores they they need kind of bigger producers or producers that have a more consistent supply chain, which is why maybe the stores are 
I won't say they're little can be a little less exciting than maybe uh, shopping from a uh, an importer. But having said that, I think being around the world, I think uh, the average European maybe coming to one of the bigger stores would be happily surprised at the selection because you can get very good wines from all over the world. Like I said, if you're looking for the really esoteric stuff, the really funky stuff, you'd have to go to your um, agent for that. But uh, again, it's it's not the worst system in the world, I don't think. I don't know how much time you spent in Italy, but um, where are your favorite places that you've seen so far? And where have you, where, which places have you not managed to visit yet that you're dying to go and see? Uh, I haven't done a ton of traveling. I've been in and around Verona, so uh, Valpolicella area, um, through the Dolomites up into uh, Alto Adige. I was supposed to go to Piedmont. I definitely would love to go to Piedmont. And I think, you know, everyone wants to do Piedmont Sicily, it seems lately. And for obvious reasons, very exciting wine regions and a lot of cool stuff going on. So I think those two for me would be two top choices right now. Yeah. What about um, where do you see yourself in um, five or 10 years time? Do you, do you see yourself being in the same um, the same place, doing the same thing? Or have you got um, more um, uh, different horizons planned? Uh, I'm I'm happy here. I've been here for two years, like I said, and it's uh, a bit of a change from from the big city. But I really like uh, country living for now. The open skies, rolling hills. Um, I really want to get to know this area, uh, spend some time in vineyards and some of the wineries, and, and get to know that aspect of the business. And like I said, I'd, I'd hope to be in Europe. Uh, uh, I think the winters get a bit irritating for for the average Canadian. So uh, vineyards and beaches and mountains. I think in my future. Yeah, so that sounds like you, you should write that book. There you go. That's, that's your next book. There you go, yeah. I just got your book, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, they're great. Um, they'll send you to sleep within about four and a half minutes. So Perfect. Okay, final question. This is this is a soccer question. Do you follow Toronto FC? I do mildly. I think they were playing uh, Montreal last night, and I forgot. Portugal was playing, actually, a friendly with Spain last night. I was watching that. What about um, Alfonso Davis? Uh, yes, I know of him. Uh, I had to ask my nephew this question because he's the, he's the soccer professional. He's a kid from, uh, I think he's from Edmonton, and he seems to be doing quite well now in Europe, yeah? Uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's not, not, not a name that's come up. My, my team is a bit of a parochial one, Southampton, so uh, we, don't, we don't get anywhere near the Champions League, I'm afraid. So I want to say thanks to my guest, Stephen Souza, uh, speaking today from Canada a well-known sommelier, a lover of Italian wine, and obviously a lover of soccer too. I just want to say thanks to you for coming on the podcast today, and we wish you, um, hope to see you soon in Italy. Likewise. Thank you, Monty. Take care, mate. You as well. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.